0: This is the Baymaw Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host Brent Billings. Today, we continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, looking at Jesus' teachings on generosity, prayer, and fasting. And speaking of generosity... Oh, look at that segue. I just came up with it on the spot.
1: <laughs>
0: for For our listeners who are listening in real time, this episode will come out December 20th. So we're yes. nearing the end of the year. Yep. And I know, I don't understand, but I know that there are a lot of people who like to make charitable contributions yeah towards the end of the year uh so this seems like a good time to talk about it real quick Marty. people tell people at the, what they can do
1: sure people looking at their calendar year uh thinking of their tax situation for 2018 and uh yeah um it's that it's the one month i'm all in the nonprofit world i make my whole living off of support raising so uh, i know these stats really well like uh, 80, over 80%, somewhere between 80 and 83% of like all charitable giving happens in the month of December, um, I think the, the last five to six weeks of the year, um, Thanksgiving onward. And uh, it's just that time where people are thinking about that. So while we're here, that's something that we do. A lot of our listeners have been giving and just want to say thanks for that. Like a lot of our listeners have signed up for monthly support. Um, the, that makes a huge difference. Some people have sent in some really uh, nice gifts for, um, yeah, just a way of saying thank you and supporting our ministry. So a big thank you to all of you who are doing that. We, uh, were able to do what we do because of that. And so this is a great time of the year to say, if you're thinking about your charitable giving this year, and I used to feel like, uh, and you know what, I've come to the, it was just a few weeks ago we had uh, giving Tuesday right after you know get thanksgiving season right after thanksgiving you have black friday then you have cyber monday and we're spending like ungodly i mean that word literally like ungodly amounts of money like money that would feed and water the world for the next eight years on one day um and then we have this giving tuesday which was started by some noble person years ago uh not too many years ago but um and, and it's good. It's good to see all these organizations out there saying, hey, if we're going to spend much money, why not spend much money on, on, in addition to the things that we want or need, why not spend on other things that matter too? So um, we're a few weeks after Giving Tuesday, but uh, we still have, what, good 10 days left of this calendar year to make donations. So you know, we got a link on our Bayma page. You can go to impactcampusministries.com, find donate links there. People can support anything. People can support me. Uh people could support others for that matter um but people could support um the work that I do personally. People could uh support the work that we do as an organization, impact campus ministries and just the cause of campus ministry as a whole uh People could support bema ministry just uh there's a ministry team called Bema ministry, and that supports the work we specifically do um not around the country, not uh marty's compensation and health benefits and those kind of things but it actually just speaks specifically of the work we're doing here with students and and the podcast. So, although I will say, as
0: people have been listening to your voice over the last couple minutes, they may have picked up on the fact that you might be a little sick. So, perhaps Ooh. contributing directly to your health fund might, oh, be, man. might be beneficial. Tis the season. We'll see how long uh, how long your voice lasts in this podcast. Tis this the could, season could, for could head end up being a,
1: a short episode. Maybe. I don't maybe know. we'll see. We'll see what the Lord provides. We'll see how He empowers my vocal cords.
0: all right well we have made the promise of going through every verse in matthew so we should probably get into it every verse let's do it i still don't know why you <laughs> promised felt, that felt the need to Man. promise that specifically but oh well hey, we're here we're here too we're, late now we're like uh what 25 percent of the way through matthew sure ish yeah getting there in the 20 all right so chapter six When you fast, do not not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen.
1: And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. All right, so uh, let's clear up a few things just kind of right off the bat before we jump into what I think Jesus is actually getting at in this section of his Sermon on the Mount. Um, and we're going to link uh, a sermon that I did recently, this calendar year, this fall. Um, we went through a Sermon on the Mount series at Real Life, uh, and you're going to throw a link to the sermon that I did was on this passage. It's really going to be the same teaching I'm going to do on the podcast today, a couple different little minor elements here and there, but it's just a different context. Sometimes people enjoy watching a teaching more than listening to a teaching, or or a sermon is just a different thing than a podcast. and. So whatever, we'll, th- we'll put it on there. And
0: I may ask some questions that completely throw this thing off the
1: tracks. There's a so, chance. Who knows? There's a chance of that. Don't know how good of a chance, but there's a chance of that. But let's, let's just um, let's take three things that just – let's just get them off the table. Let's deal with these three things that seem to always run the table when it comes to discussing this teaching. The first one is a note on hypocrites. Let's talk about hypocrites. Upokritos in the Greek. Um, the word upokritos is a word in the Greek that just means actor. So when we when we say hypocrites today, we often automatically, it's a word that we all use readily, and I, I think we, our meaning today doesn't mean the same thing it meant when Jesus said it. So what do you, how would you say, what is a typical meaning? When we say hypocrite, what do we typically mean, Brent? It's like someone who says one thing and does another thing. Right, right. And that's a good distinction to make because that's not what upokritos means for Jesus. It, hypocrite has nothing to do in Jesus's day with whether or not you're living out what you say you're living out. It's not being two-faced. It's not saying one thing and doing something else. It's being an actor. I mean, make no mistake about it. You can say one thing and do that very same thing. But if you're doing it just for a show, then you're an actor. You're an upokritos. And that's what we miss when we talk about hypocrisy and we talk about how it's just, it's not aligning to the things that we say. I mean, who are the people that Jesus critiques as hypocrites more than anybody else, Brett? The Pharisees. The Pharisees. And yet, well, I mean, we'll look at this some more. We've already looked at the Pharisees already. There's not a group. We looked at the five responses to Hellenism. There's not a group that is more devoted to walking out what they say. Like, people get the impression that the Pharisees were, like, saying one thing, but no, 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 no. The Pharisees were deeply devoted to doing the things that they said the problem wasn't that they said one thing and did something else the problem was jesus said is your religious piety is largely a show and it's not changing your heart It's not leading you to generosity and to compassion. That's the problem here. So when we're reading through our Gospels and we hear Jesus talk about hypocrites, we need to make sure we catch what Jesus is actually getting at and not miss it entirely with our Western assumptions. Jesus is not critiquing somebody because they say one thing and do something else. Jesus is critiquing the why behind why they do something. Jesus is saying, it's the show that's the problem, not the accuracy of your behavior. Not the alignment of what you say and what you do, but the reason that you do it in the first place. Um, really important for us to realize that we can say one thing, do that very thing, and still be a hypocrite, which completely fits with the theme that we've been talking about in the whole
0: Sermon on the Mount. It's the heart behind the action. It's, Absolutely, you've heard it said this, but it's really the
1: heart behind it. Exactly. This is Jesus isn't isn't going into anything new. Jesus is coming right off of the last few podcasts we've been studying. Like that whole string of thought just continues into this one. If that if all of that you've heard it said, but I say unto you stuff is true, then Jesus is going to start to shift towards, and in a a sense, like the first half of the Sermon on the Mount is like how to interpret the law. Like it was the Beatitudes. It was, I haven't come to abolish, but to fulfill the law. You've heard it said, I say unto you. You've heard it said, I say unto you. You've heard it said, I say unto you. It's all about interpreting the law. And then the back half of the Sermon on the Mount is all about, so if that's the right interpretation, how is it that this ends up being lived out? And you can feel that shift here in Matthew 6 where all of a sudden Jesus says, so when you give, so when you pray, if this is how you interpret Torah, when you give, it's going to look like this. When you pray, it's going to look like this. When you fast, it's going to look like this. And so that's going to be uh, what's taking place there. So uh, that's a little note on hypocrite. How about a note on uh, the reward? How about that? Um, As far as the reward goes, uh, notice that the reward, if you do these things like the upokritos, like an actor, Jesus says you have received your reward. Is that present or future reward, Brent? Uh, It seems past, even. Uh, oh, yeah. Present past, right? If, you, if you're if you doing these things just to be seen by men, Jesus's response is, that's all the reward you're going to get. Like, that's all the reward an actor gets, is the ability to be seen and celebrated by those who watch them. Um, that's a, And it's a very present, it's a very now reward. So when Jesus talks about, if you do it so that your father sees you and a reward, what would the assumption, what's the only logical assumption about now, the language can suggest will. The Greek doesn't quite work that way. It's going to suggest you can read it future, which is what we always assume. But in fact, the only logical conclusion is if you do it this way, your reward will be future or present, Brent. Uh, future? We like to think that, right? But instead, Jesus would be implying there's something very real. Your reward is very now. Mm. Like this isn't a God putting another jewel in your crown for later when you get to heaven this is if you choose to do something authentically, like uh, if you choose to do something genuinely, not for a show. If you do it for a show, your reward is that just that. It's only going to be what, what you get when people see you. But if you do it because it's real and it's true and it's on your insides, well, all of a sudden that reward just became also present tense, but it goes much deeper. And what I experienced today not in a future life, not in life after I die, but life before I die changes because my heart is changed. I'm made new. I'm made different. So the reward as we pass through here, we we often just read it and go, oh, yeah, if we do things in secret, like we'll get rewarded later. No, if we do things in secret, we'll get rewarded now. It will change who we are now which is, again, what you pointed out, what Jesus has been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. So how do the translators get away with that? Well, because in the English, you only have one option. In the English, we're forced to use will because it's an if. If you do this, then you will have this. We're kind of stuck. In the Greek, you have a few more options about what kind of future tense you have and Now and going on, or just in the future, or has been going on, is going on now, and will go on forever, or was going like you have much more tense options to choose from. In the English, we're kind of stuck. So, as you read that, it's easy to hear future, and you could even argue that, well, you should be seeing that as future. But I would argue, in the context of what Jesus is teaching us here, that will is not a Will in the future, but when you do it this way, you will experience this. So both of them kind of have this present
0: element to it. Yes. The hypocrites have received their reward. They have like what they have in the present is already the fulfillment of the reward. Correct. Up to this point. Right. That's the end of it. Whereas when you give to the needy or when you whatever. Right. Your father sees you, will reward you. You're transformed in the present and you take that
1: change going forward. Absolutely. And I love that case. In that case, it is a very future reward because it's I'm being changed and therefore that change resonates forever because I'm never going to be the same. The more I'm transformed, the more I'm made new, the more that I'm changed. So, yes, very present reward with future implications, whereas if I'm doing it just for a show, it's a very present reward with no future implications because I'm not changed. Uh, I'm not different. And so that's a really good point. I like that. Sorry, nearly uh, three
0: decades of um, a very narrow, not necessarily incorrect, but a
1: very narrow and limited understanding of the right. language used here. Yes. Yes. Um, one last point, passing point on secrecy. Like when we, all three of these teachings, generosity, uh, prayer, and fasting, all have this element of secrecy, which is what so many of us want to focus on in this teaching. Um because it's like, if you give to the needy, don't let your right hand know what your left is doing. Uh, when you pray, do it in secret. Um, go into your closet. When, uh, which, watch the sermon if you want a little bit more details on some of those things um, that we link there. Uh, when you fast, don't make your face look somber as the upokritas do. Um, which, all, again, all these things are done by the actors. So, uh, when you give, don't, uh, what does it say? When you give, don't do what? Don't announce it with trumpets. Right. So this idea of that was done in the theaters. Um, Oftentimes when you would have a very famous actor or an actress in town, uh, you go to this massive theater in this ancient day. They don't have high def theater screens. And so you don't know when the theater they're in costume, they might have a mask on. When that actress or that actor comes out, you don't know that they're on stage, but it was the whole reason you came to the theater in the first place. You want to know that so-and-so is just walking out on stage. And so they would actually do this short... um, Non-obtrusive trumpet blast just to let you know that the visiting actor that is in town just walked out on stage. So Jesus says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets. Don't be like actors at the theater. Um, When you pray, don't, uh, what does it say? Don't do it standing out on the street corners. That's what an actor does. He stands out in front of the stage. Don't be doing this to put on a show. When you fast, don't make your face look somber. Well, that's what they did. They put makeup on their faces to exaggerate their expressions or their the role that they were playing. Again, you had to see this from far further away in the stands in the seats of the theater, and so you had to you had to um, exaggerate all those things with makeup. These are all references to theater. This whole thing is cloaked in theater language, um, and so this this is what's driving this thing. But when Jesus starts talking about secrecy. Uh, we start getting really wound up in, uh, well, everything we do has to be done in secret. And I wanted to point out what Jesus is talking about is not the secrecy, but the motivation. Because we need to remember that at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had another teaching about being the light of the world and a city on a hill. And eventually Jesus says, what statement, Brent? Let your... Light shine before others. Right. So that when men see your good deeds... It will glorify your Father in heaven. Exactly. So Jesus started this sermon with one teaching that said, your deeds need to be seen. Like, Jesus is very clear about that. Um, All throughout the New Testament, Paul's going to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Our walk with Jesus is meant to be a public, watchable, seeable, observable walk. And so what Jesus is saying here is not you can't let your walk be seen. Everything has to be done in secret. Jesus is talking about motivation. If you're doing things to be seen, so don't do things to be seen. Do things in secret. But people will probably see them. A great example of this I talk about in the sermon is the prayer. Go into your closet. And we like picture the place where we keep the vacuum and the brooms, right? But that's not at all what they had. They had they these prayer shells. You can see it on video. Uh, and they, they take their prayer shells and they put it over their head. And they go into what's called their prayer closet when they're at the temple praying. And that prayer closet is something that if I'm standing next to you, it's very obvious what's going on. It's not a secret that Brent just went into his prayer closet. I know. But but the prayer closet is about my motivation. I'm going into just a space just with me and God. And so I'm not doing it to be seen by you because I'm going into a space just between me and God and so it's it's very clear that what Jesus is getting at is not, I mean, I can't tell you how many times um, I've been fasting. And when I fast, I like to talk about it because I'm a teacher and I'm a spiritual leader. And I want to talk to people about fasting because how many people do you know fast on a regular basis, Brent? I, I don't know. Right. Like hardly any. Right? <laughs> Sounds like maybe you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, and I don't do it all the time. But when I do, I like to talk with my students about it. I like to talk to my disciples about it. Because we don't know how to fast. But people always come back to me and be like, you're not supposed to be talking about fasting. Jesus said, you're supposed to do it in secret. You're not allowed to talk about it. And I'm like, what are you, what, 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 what? Like my fasting has to be seen so that people would understand what it is and glorify God. But if I do it to be seen, well, that's all the reward I'm going to get. Hopefully I'm fasting for far deeper, more meaningful reasons than Well, I hope that people around me see that I'm fasting. If I do, my reward will be very limited. But if I fast for true reasons, well, then I'm going to experience a much deeper, much more transformative reward in that regard. And just going back to that prayer closet for a
0: second, I would definitely recommend watching the sermon if for that alone, because right. that that visual of the prayer closet. I think when you see that, it will really make sense and and help sure. help
1: solidify that idea. In yeah, mind. absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so so let's deal with what we. What I do think is going on here, Brent, if you were to take, you had three things here. You had uh, giving to the poor, you had um, prayer and you had fasting and you've got the passage in front of you, which, which one of the three Seems to be like the one that Jesus wants to talk about. Like what seems to be the point out of the three? Well, there's a lot of talk about prayer. Okay, so, so prayer seems a pretty big to be, section compared to the other two. Yeah, it just stands out. Jesus has more to say. He's going to give them an example, and and again, is Jesus is this actually a sermon? Is it a bunch of collected teachings? In the other gospels, this teaching doesn't show up in a sermon, but the Lord's Prayer is something that Jesus says in response to. Uh, In response to his disciples asking their rabbi, rabbi teach us how to pray. And so Jesus gives them the Lord's prayer. Go Go ahead and read that section just one more time, Brett. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom
0: come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation,
1: but deliver us from the evil one. All right. Excellent. So this is this prayer where a lot of us are familiar with this prayer. Um, We call it the Lord's Prayer. What we don't often realize is that this prayer had actually been, this was a common everyday prayer for Jesus and his disciples. It was a prayer called the Amidah Prayer. For years, we didn't know if the Amidah Prayer dated back before Jesus. But It becomes, and just do a spend 10 minutes on Google and just search for the Amidah prayer. You'll you'll find all kinds of versions modern versions, you can find ancient versions. And you'll notice that throughout the evolution of Judaism, the Amidah prayer has grown and it's gotten quite large. It's a quite in depth prayer. But you'll notice, even if you look at the Amidah prayer, it follows the exact same format, has the same sections that Jesus' Amidah prayer. Uh, Jesus' Lord's Prayer, and that's because Jesus isn't quoting a new prayer. We have uh, eventually in recent archaeology, we've found prayers, the Amida prayer, and versions that predate Jesus. So we know that they were using the Amida prayer when Jesus utters this. In fact, they said the Amida prayer every day at lunchtime, at noon. I don't know if it was their lunchtime in their world. But at noon, they would go for prayer time at the temple, and they would stand. You had to say the Amidah prayer. It's a standing prayer. You say the Amidah prayer as you stand in groups of 10. And we talk about that more on the sermon, too. You can look at that as well. But this, the ancient version in the Hebrew goes like this. Avinu Shabbat Shemaim, Yekadesh Shimcha, Tomlich Malhuka, Ye'aseb Bashayim et lechem, Hekenu Telanu If you translate that it says this Our Father, the one who dwells in heaven, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come as we do your will here on earth, as it's done in heaven. Give us today the bread of today. And, and some versions that we found tag this line onto it and deliver us from the evil one. Cursed be he. So, Jesus, essentially, when his disciples come to him, not in Matthew, but in the other Gospels, and they say, Rabbi, teach us how to pray. Jesus responds by saying, you know how to pray. He quotes the prayer that they pray every day at noon. He's not giving them a new prayer at all. He's giving them the same prayer that they're used to. He says, you know how to pray. Just pray. There's no special prayer. There's no secret to prayer. There's no unearthed formula that if you get this right or... Just pray. We've been praying for thousands of years in different ways, in different times, using different methods. Just pray. I would say the same thing is true today. Have we screwed prayer up? Have we gotten prayer wrong? Have we? No, just pray. You know how to pray. Just pray. And I think Jesus' point is make sure it's authentic. Make sure it's real. Make sure it's not a show. But just pray. But there is one thing that is unique. Um, go ahead and read Read your read the prayer that's in Matthew one more time and then i will read the ancient first century bc version that we've found uh in archaeology in the world of archaeology and i'll have our listeners tell tell us what is i mean they won't be able to tell us but you look for what's missing go ahead Brent. our
0: father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil
1: one. Okay, here's the other version. Our Father, the one who dwells in heaven, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come, as we do your will here on earth, as it's done in heaven. Give us today the bread of today, and deliver us from the evil one, cursed be he. Very, very similar. I mean almost line for line, except for Jesus added a line. And what was the line that he added, Brent? Forgive us our debts. As we? As we forgive uh, our debtors. Okay. That line was not in the ancient version. To this day, I have not found one single version of the Amida, not ancient, not medieval, not modern, that has any mention of, of us forgiving our debtors. A couple, maybe a century or two after Jesus, they do insert a section of the Amidah prayer that talks about God forgive us. That's why I pushed you to the end of your statement, because the statement that Jesus adds is, uh, forgive us our debts, which eventually does end up in the Amidah. What never ends up in any version of the Amidah I have ever found is as we forgive our debtors. There's never any mention of, and that's because in Jewish consciousness, you wouldn't ask that. That's not, that's not the work of, that's not our work. Forgiveness is God's work. What I need to do is worry about God forgiving me. God, would you forgive me? Would I live appropriately? And would you forgive me when I don't? And I look over at Brent and I think, I hope that God forgives Brent. I really do. I hope that Brent is forgiven by God, and I hope that Brent asks God for forgiveness, but it's not my job to forgive Brent. It's God's job to forgive Brent. And if Brent were to wrong somebody, that's between him and God. If he were to wrong me, it's between him and God, and my, my desire to seek vengeance is between me and God. But there's never a conversation about me forgiving Brent. One of the most scandalous things that we take for granted and we don't realize how scandalous it is in Jesus' teaching in the first century in Judaism is Jesus' regular insistence that we are invited into, into the forgiveness process. Like Jesus is saying, this is this is not just about whether or not God forgives you. This is about whether or not you are going to let yourself be invited into the forgiveness process because forgiving other people and see for a Jewish here in the first century – like, what? Like, now, later on in Judaism, they'll definitely have in their consciousness the idea of forgiving other people without a doubt, I'm not suggesting that Judaism doesn't understand that. But in Jesus's day, in his rabbinical worldview of the first century, this is a radical concept that he keeps pushing over and over and over again yes, God forgives sins. I'm inviting you into the redemption process. God, Jesus says, is inviting you into the forgiveness process because forgiveness is the kind of thing that actually changes our hearts. As you have pointed out, this is the thing that Jesus keeps driving at over and over and over again. Torah was meant to teach us how to change our it was meant to change our hearts it was meant to teach us how to live and how to live in such a way that we became a different kind of people and forgiveness is critical now you might remember me talking Brent about two halves of the sermon on the mount did you did you hear that there's a front half which is about interpreting torah and there was a back half which was about applying that interpretation yes which makes us think as always what
0: A chiasm. Okay. Like we did this
1: with the Beatitudes, right? We suggested that the Beatitudes could be, it's not a rock solid case, but the Beatitudes could be chiastic, meaning that at the middle of that chiasm sat what two things? Brent, can you remember? Uh, It was mercy. Yes. And right before that- Hungering, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Yes. And, and we suggested that possibly if the Beatitudes are chiastic, and I think they are personally, the point of that chiasm is going to be if you really hunger and thirst for righteousness, the way that you find righteousness is to show mercy. If the Sermon on the Mount is chiastic, and many and some scholars have supposed that it is, have have suggested that it is, the center part of this chiasm is the Lord's Prayer. The point of that Lord's prayer being forgiveness. Wouldn't that flow with the same theme that seems to be Jesus' theme in the Sermon on the Mount, the same theme of the Beatitudes? If you want to understand what righteousness looks like, show mercy. If you want to be a person that is the kind of person that demonstrates the Beatitudes, understand what it means to forgive. And if we have any doubts that that is what Jesus' point is, what is his statement immediately following the prayer, Brent? These are the words that after he teaches them how to pray, these are the words that immediately follow
0: his prayer. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your
1: sins. There's a lot that Jesus could have talked about in that prayer. And yet what he highlights is the part that he just added to the prayer himself, which is all about forgiveness. So this really is this driving concept of, of the Sermon on the Mount. Like Jesus' main, pe- main teaching all throughout this thing, don't hate. Don't even be angry. Love your enemies. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, show mercy. This is about learning how to relate to other people. This is about people. This is about people. This is about people. This isn't about a moral code. It's not about some some disconnected walk of righteousness that is just about me and Jesus, this is all about other people. If you want to know what it is to follow God, don't put on a show. Truly get in there and learn how to forgive people, how to love people, how to show mercy to people, how to be about people. He's going to say later, to love God, to love others. Become people of the text? Become people of the text. The tagline that I never use, well, but it's on our stuff. Well, it's it's um uh, it's there. It's the spirit of who we are and what we do.
0: Exactly. Yep. You know what's funny is as I was reading this whole section at the beginning of the podcast, I realized something. Uh so from about 3rd grade to 6th grade, I was a part of the Catholic Church. Yes. And at uh you know, at some point I started like reading things and I'm like, "Oh, listen, I don't know, this seems like things don't line up the way I'm reading them in the text." And I actually used this chunk on prayer as one of my points to reject the catholic tradition um but as i'm reading it specifically the part about uh uh, don't keep babbling they think they'll be heard because there are many words yep well somehow i like read right over the pagans part right for some reason i thought like i don't i don't know what i thought but i was like oh well why would you say the hail mary like a hundred times that's just babbling Oh, I see. I would not necessarily equate um Catholics with pagans. Yeah, right. So I don't know. I'm pretty conflicted about this. And also, like, Jesus goes on to say, well, you should pray like this. Right. And the Our Father is featured very prominently right. in the Catholic tradition. Right.
1: Absolutely. So Jesus you seems know. to actually support liturgy. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. And there's some more context. I've heard some people teach on uh, the babbling of the pagan prayers. Uh, I remember I was listening to a sermon in Grand Rapids one time uh, at at a church, Mars Hill. Uh, I can't remember if it was Rob Bell or Shane Hipps that was preaching that day. Um, But I was listening to a sermon and they were giving these examples of these pagan prayers that we've uncovered. And they were just like rambling, babbling, because they were trying to invoke the God's favor. And they were using as many words as they could to say the right thing to unlock the right key to, you know, whatever. And and it was really the context of what Jesus was saying. You know how to pray. Don't keep babbling as pagans do. You know how to pray. Just pray. And And I'm sure they thought a little bit of what you wrestled with as a younger person. Like, but I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. And I talked about this before in our podcast, but when I talk about spiritual practices, I love to say the same blessing every morning at my meal because that blessing starts to talk back to me. And I think that's one of the, maybe one of the side notes, but one of the points that Jesus is getting at here, which is, it's not a magical incantation. Just pray. Just pray. Kind of goes make back sure you to the,
0: uh, the lullaby effect. Like yeah. You got to I think there's like a center point where like you're saying it and you're learning it and then you know right. it so well that you're just kind of absentmindedly saying it. Right. And it has that lullaby effect. Yep. But then if you keep going, right. then you get what you just talked about, where it starts to speak back to you.
1: Right. And I do think about my Catholic brothers and sisters that uh, really love the faith and the faith has meant something to them. What is the difference between the person that was raised in the Catholic Church and just doesn't get it between the ones that c- Catholicism just deeply speaks to them and, and is rooted in them? It's the fact that it's it wasn't it wasn't just a show for them. For so many of those kids that were raised in it, it was just handed to them and all they got was the show. All they got was the upokritas. All they got was the, I'm just saying these things just to say them. And the people that were able to, or either mentored and discipled in such a way that they were able to push through. It's not just a show. These things start, these spiritual practices do a work in me. Those are the people who, when I when I fellowship with them and when I, when they talk to me about their faith and their Catholicism, I go, oh, that is a deep well with lots of wisdom brimming out of that. Um, And much to learn. So, but I think it centers around the same idea Jesus is talking about, which is, is it real? Is it just babbling? Is it just a show? Short or long, it's got to be real. It's got to come from a real place. It's got to be between you and God. Because when you do that, it's going to change your heart. Love it. And
0: you know it's definitely important to read all the words in a passage before you make decisions, okay <laughs> oh, a, a lesson well learned yeah to read all the words. It only took me like twenty five years to figure yeah, it out that's right that's right it's so weird, like how many times have I gone through this passage since yeah. since that time, and it like this moment recording this podcast is when I finally realized the error of my ways, yep, so you know. There's always something new to uncover. Always. Uh, and how do you uncover that? You wrestle through the text, hopefully in community with other people. Here's my perfect segue to discussion groups. I like that. Get in one. You're all about the segues today. I Apparently. Man. But this is a great time. If you're listening to this podcast in real time, you're going into the Christmas holiday, you might have a, a day or two off. It's a great time to, to get on the BaymontDiscipleship.com and peruse the map. We've got discussion yeah. groups all over the place. That's right. And if there's not one in your area, you're welcome to start one. We'll help you with that. Right. Uh, you can get in touch with us. Uh, Marty's on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB. Uh, there's a contact page on the website. We'll have links in the show notes for this episode if you want to uh, support Marty or support the Bama ministry or whatever else. And
1: uh, I think we're going we're to take the rest of the year off. So we'll see you in 2019. Yes, that's right. There's no episode. Yeah, we're going to take uh, Enjoy Your Christmas But uh, enjoy the rest of your year, and we'll see you in the new year.